In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So when we come to speak about St. Mary, there's so much that we could say. And uh, one way to confine the, um, the conversation about St. Mary is to just approach our, our thoughts of who St. Mary is, uh, our, our thoughts of who St. Mary is through a specific church father. And that will kind of direct our thoughts a little bit better because when you come to speak of St. Mary, it's endless because of who she is and her, her perfection, her holiness. And so what I wanted to do is just bring to light who St. Mary is through a specific church father. And I wanted to do that through the mind of St. Ephraim the Syrian. And it's, it's nice for us to get a, a little bit more of uh, that awareness of who the fathers are. And so this will give us an idea to know a little bit more of who St. Ephraim is and what his life was like and, and why he felt a certain way towards St. Mary and why he said this, the things that he said towards St. Mary. So I'll just begin by mentioning a quote. It's not from St. Ephraim, but it does reflect who St. Ephraim is. So St. Porphyria says, whoever wants to become a Christian must first become a poet. And so the reason I'm mentioning this is because if you can identify St. Ephraim in one way, it is that he was a poet. St. Ephraim was such a, a contemplative man. Um, he, he wrote a lot of poems and a lot of hymns. And to him, Christianity, the life of uh, the walk with Christ is, was, was just like one big poem to him. And so he lived this freedom and poetry and imagination. St. Perfurius continues to say that the soul of the Christian needs to be refined and sensitive, to have sensibility and wings, to be constantly in flight and to live in dreams, to fly through infinity among the stars, amidst the greatness of God, amid silence. Whoever wants to become a Christian must first become a poet. And so in St. Ephraim's writings, you will find more poetry than any of the other church fathers. And if you like poetry, St. Ephraim is your guy. Right? And he wrote a Psalter, which is um, sort of like the Igbeya that we have in our Coptic Orthodox tradition. And some other Eastern Orthodox churches actually use this Psalter as their own Igbeya in their liturgical prayers. And so that's the depth that we find in St. Ephraim's poetry, that you'll find a lot of theology, you'll find a lot of spirituality, and you'll, you'll get to know the depth of the humility and the love and the spirituality in his heart. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's the, the Mariology, or who St. Mary is, through this mind of this great poet, St. Ephraim the Syrian. So St. Ephraim says, the harp of the Holy Spirit never sings sweeter songs than what it has set its strings to sing the praises of St. Mary. So not only do we find that St. Ephraim's mind is one of poetry, but what he says is that when the Spirit speaks of St. Mary, we find the sweetest song. And that St. Mary is the praise of the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit never swings, never sings sweeter songs than when it has set its strings to the praise of Saint Mary. How beautiful is that to say that the, the Spirit praises 
no one more among men and women than Saint Mary. So just a little quick recap of who Saint Ephraim is. He was born at the break of the fourth century and he died around 373 AD. And so he, he lived most of his life through, through, throughout the fourth century. Uh, he grew up with Christian parents and he himself testifies to that. And he says that your truth was with me in my youth. Okay, so he's not like some of the saints where we see grew up with pagan parents or he had some sort of conversion, but throughout his whole life, he was in the church. He, he, he was the deacon of Saint Jacob of Nisibis who attended the first ecumenical council. So he was one of the 318 bishops who was present of, uh, at the council of Nicaea. And um, he, he was he was a very holy man. Listen to what Saint Jerome says about him and they'll give you a little idea of what his personal life was like. It says, Ephraim, a deacon of the church of Edessa, wrote a great deal of Syriac language. He attained such distinctions that his writings are read in some churches after the scriptural sections. And Saint Jerome continues to say that I've read a work of his on the Holy Spirit which someone had translated from Syriac into Greek. And even in translation, I could recognize the acumen of a lofty intellect. And so you know that when you translate music, what typically happens? It loses its rhythm, it loses its melody. But what St. Jerome is saying, even the Syriac text, which was written in that poetry, when it was translated into Greek, didn't lose much. And that's how powerful his, his poetry and his, his talent in putting together the spiritual life on paper. He was an ascetic, although he wasn't specifically a monk or ordained into monasticism, but he did live a solitary life. And I'll, I'll just mention a, a part in his life in which you come to see the depth of his uh, purity and love and humility and and you see his wisdom in, uh, in dealing with people around him. So while he was serving, there was a famine in the area of Edessa where he was serving. And people did not trust um, the poor people around. So if you had money, no one would give them money because they said that, oh, they're gonna waste it. We don't know who's fooling us or whatever. And so, when St. Ephraim rebuked them for holding on to their money, they said, we don't trust anybody. And, and we can't just give money to anybody that comes and asks us because they might waste it. And he said, well, do you trust me? And because of his reputation, they couldn't say no. So he said, yes, we trust you. He said, okay, give me your money, your possessions and everything, and I'll distribute it among the poor. And so uh, Zosiman, the church historian says that he did this joyfully in distributing his wealth. And with the help of those who had asked to assist in, in the matter, when the year of famine had passed and the following year was one of plenty, everyone returned home, there being nothing left to do. And St. Ephraim went back to his cell and ended his life a month later, God having provided this means of crowning the end of his life. And so this act of charity, of giving everything to the poor, was at the pinnacle of his life whenever he passed away. And he departed just a month after this. So you see that in the depth of his heart was this humility and this love and this charity. All right. 
So, Saint Ephraim was a man of humility, and when you when you understand what's really in the depth of his heart, you'll see why he speaks about Saint Mary the way he does, and because he recognized his own poverty, because he recognized how empty he was, because he recognized his own sinfulness, he could plead to Saint Mary to intercede for him, knowing that he needed her help more than anybody else in this world because he regarded himself as the worst of the worst. So I'll just bring to your mind a, a quote from uh, the Psalter. It's from the, the 15th Kathisma and the first Tassus. It's the 105th Psalm. So he says, And already the storm of my thoughts plunges me into despair. I, a prodigal, have laid all my hope upon thee. O Mother of God, you alone, who alone did bear the deliverer of the world in your womb, loosen my unloosenable bonds. Awesome indeed, awesome indeed is the miracle, how the Lord has tolerated my sins. How is it that he has not conveyed me who am miserable to the depths of hell while still alive? How is it that he has not sent from on high his invisible staff or his sword to strike me down? Without a doubt, you, O lady, have granted me life by your intercessions. You seek my repentance, O all good virgin, give it to me, your servant, for you are my wall, my harbor, and my rampart. And so you see that he's, he's just blown away that he's even worthy to receive her aid. So he says, I'm, I'm plunging into the depth of my sinfulness and my thoughts. And I'm so deep in my sins that I need the most help anybody could get. And so that's why I'm appealing to you, O Mother of God, because I'm at the bottom of the pit. And unless you come to help me, then who will? If you don't come to my aid, and if you're not the one that pulls me out and intercedes on my behalf, then no one else will, because your intercessions are the most powerful. So if your intercessions won't work with me, then I got nothing left. Does that make sense? So he recognizes the depth of his sinfulness and his need for her. Okay. So. I'm just going to refer to a few of his thoughts throughout his poetry. And it's really difficult for the mind of Saint Ephraim to come to life unless you are bringing your thoughts into his own prayers and using the Psalter and praying from the Psalter and you get to taste the sweetness of his prayers. So I know you won't grasp the fullness of uh, the beauty in his prayers just by mentioning a few words about Saint Ephraim and what he has to say about the Theotokos. But the best way to really get a little taste of the beauty of his prayers and his meditations on the Theotokos is to just share with you a few of his thoughts. And I hope that just brings to life the depth of his love for Saint Mary and the depth of his humility and the life that he had in, in the depth of his prayers and and, and his love for God and how he used the Theotokos as, as the most powerful tool for his life of prayer. All right? 
He says, O Virgin Lady, the Mother of God, who did bear Christ our Savior and God in your womb, I place all my hope on you. In you do I trust, for you are higher than all the powers of heaven. So he says, I place all my trust in you because you're higher than all the powers of heaven. And this was a reality for Saint Ephraim that out of everyone who can plead his case, no one is higher than Saint Mary. And I'll come to explain a little bit more why he was so convinced that her prayers are more powerful than anyone else's. But I want you to be convinced first that he really did believe this and this was the heart of his life and the heart of his prayers. Okay, so we'll go through the Psalter and just mention a few prayers, like I mentioned, um, would, would bring the Psalter to life. He says, Mary carried fire in her hands and embraced flame with her arms. To the flame, she gave her breasts to suck, to the nurture of all she gave her milk. Who can possibly speak of her? And so, because he knew that God is a consuming fire, for Mary to hold this fire would require her to be the most pure vessel, that she held this flame. And for someone to hold this flame speaks louder than anything else, right? In another place he says, O Virgin Lady, O Mother of the man befriending God, direct my heart to contrition and humble it. Fill my eyes with saving tears and illuminate them with the light of your prayers that I might not fall asleep in the sleep of death. Sprinkle me with the hyssop of your loving kindness and cleanse me. Wash me with my tears that I may be made whiter than snow. O Mother of my Lord Jesus Christ, receive this my shameful confession and my entreaty. Ravish my mind and keep the remainder of my life in repentance without offense. You see how he's pleading to her in a way that he's convinced that he is in need. For Saint Ephraim, his humility wasn't a product of a pretense. Like he didn't pretend to need. He didn't pretend to need help. He didn't pretend to need her intercessions. Why? Because to him, in the bottom of his heart, he knew that he can use all the help he can get. He knew that he was the farthest person from God, that he had more weaknesses than anybody else in the world. He knew that he was lacking more than anybody else in the world. And that's why he pleads to her. He pleads to her, like, if, if you see somebody who's drowning, they're not just you know, splashing in the water and say, hey, yo, can you come, can you come help me? If, if you're free, just come on by. If you're drowning, you plead, you scream out. Why? Because your life is at stake. When you're drowning, you scream at the top of your lungs. 
and you're going to scream to the person that you know can help. For Saint Ephraim, he didn't pretend to be drowning. And if we're not praying and interceding for the prayers of the saints, I have to wonder whether my own poverty is a reality. I have to wonder whether I recognize that I'm drowning. If I'm not yelling out for help, maybe the problem is I don't think I need it. And the more you're drowning, the louder you cry out. And St. Ephraim, in his prayers, I'm telling you, you hear the loudest cries because he knew he was drowning. Very few people in the, in the church fathers just had this depth in prayer. Very few people had the depth of St. Ephraim, especially in his poetry and, and in his humility. He continues to say elsewhere, O Virgin Lady and Mother of God, who did bear Christ our Savior and God in your womb, I place all my hope in you. In you do I trust, for you are higher than all the powers of heaven. Do not leave me at the terrible hour of death. O oh, my lady, but rush to my aid. Rescue me from the bitter torments of the demons. For if you so choose, you have the power to do this. If you so choose, you have the power to do this. You're very well capable of providing me aid. Remember, it was at her word that the ministry of Christ began. And so he, he's very well aware of the power of her praises. If you so choose, if you just speak a word, I'm so confident in the power of your prayers. And if you just choose to say a word, help will come. At the time when my humble soul departs from my body, when woe is me, I will have to speak with the enemies outside the gates. Then, O Lady, regard me with thy merciful eye. Free me from all the merciless tormentors. Be my defender and destroy all record of my sins. Lead me saved and unashamed to the throne of your Son. This is also a little similar to the prayer in Arigbeya as well, where we, we come and say, when my soul departs my body, attend to me and defeat the conspiracy of the enemies and shut the gates of Hades, lest they might swallow my soul, O you blameless bride of the true bridegroom. And so, the aid of Saint Mary that comes at the moment of death was very clear in the mind of the church for centuries. And if anyone is gonna come to your aid and plead your case to God, it's gonna be Saint Mary. This is the last quote that I'll share with you from his prayers. O good mother of the all good God, look upon the prayer of your unworthy servant with your merciful eye and grant me contrition. He tells her, look upon your servant with, who's unworthy. He says, I'm not worthy to have your prayers, but he's still begging her 
because he knows how powerful her prayers are and how much he needs her prayers. It says, look upon the prayer of your unworthy servant with your merciful eye and grant me contrition, quietness of thoughts, constancy of mind, chaste reason, sobriety of soul, humble thinking, radiance of spirit, prudent disposition, and spiritual peace that the Lord granted his disciples. Blot out the record of my falls into sin. Cleave the clouds of my sorrow, the haze and tumult of my thoughts. Remove from me the tempest and tumult of passions. Enlarge my heart with spiritual breath. Give me joy and gladness. How beautiful is that prayer? Who of us can, can just lift up our hearts in, in that sort of humility and purity? Where he just pours out his heart. And so I know it's really tough to get a full grasp of what, what his, his prayers are all about. But I, I hope you just get a little taste from these words to see that whenever our own sinfulness is a reality and the power of Saint Mary's prayers is another equal reality, then we will pray for her intercessions the very, very same way. Why is St. Mary so capable of praying for us? Why is, she, why is her, are her prayers so powerful? It's because she has committed her life to the very same thing that her very own son committed his life to. Just as Christ came for us and the object of his love was humanity, she made the object of her love the very same thing that Christ loved. So just as the object of Christ's love was humanity, the object of St. Mary's love also became humanity because this is the very same thing that moved the heart of her son. It is to love us. I'll just mention this in a different way by another example. Imagine that there's a widow and her son is um, very passionate about, I don't know, let's say he, he loves whales and he's very passionate about saving the whales, okay? And he's trying to do everything he can to clean up the pollution in the ocean. And he's raising money, he's running petitions, he's going to like community meetings, his time, his energy, his effort, his money, everything on his mind is about saving the whales. His whole life is fixed on, I gotta clean up the pollution and do everything I can to save the whales, all right? So, as this boy is growing up, his mother sees what the life of her son is really all about. She sees that her son is more passionate about saving the whales than anything else. And so let's say one day at a fundraiser for the whales, an accident happens and the son departs, okay? So now that the son is dead, 
and his legacy was all about saving the whales. What do you think is going to be on the mother's mind? Let's say the mom now has some money left over in her bank and she wants to just donate it. Is she going to give it to saving the monkeys? <laughs> Is she going to give it to saving the lions? She's going she's gonna to spend all her money on the very same thing that her son was passionate about. And her son made the object of his life saving the whales. So the mother will naturally, out of her own love for her son, assume the very same passion that he had. And she will make his passion for the whales her very own passion. This is exactly what St. Mary does for us. That just as her son gave his life for us, how can she bear to see humanity suffering knowing that her own son died for us and gave his life for us, suffered for us, shed his blood for us. So when she sees us suffering, you don't think she's going to run to our aid? For St. Ephraim, this was as clear as day. And he knew the power of her intercessions. And because he knew how powerful she was, he knew that since he's drowning, no one can come to his aid more powerfully than her. So we got to recognize our, our own need. I don't know about you, but the spiritual life is a struggle, and I need all the help I can get. We all need all the help we can get. It is a shame that some denominations don't ask for the prayers of the saints and disregard the role of St. Mary. It's, it's such a powerful tool, resource for our growth that, that we, we easily neglect if we don't understand her role in salvation and her role in our own growth and her role in our spiritual life. So I pray that we have that mind of humility, the same mind that St. Ephraim had, to really pray for her, to beg for her intercessions, that we may come closer to God and really walk this life with Him, unto whom is due glory forever and ever. Amen.